Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ronnie. And on this episode, we are talking about all about mental health. And Ronnie, you're looking a little tired. I say that with love. I'm real tired. (laughs) So... This week, we have added a family member to our household. So I have a new office assistant um, named Leonard, and he's a, our eight-week-old puppy, and he is feeling all of his puppiness. So I am feeling all of the new baby blues of waking up in the middle of the night and constantly being on guard and getting my hands bitten <laughs> and cleaning up things and nonstop. So I'm a little tired. I'm glad we don't have a video podcast because right now I have wet hair <laughs> out of the shower. So actually got to shower and uh he did sleep till five in the morning so I'm on you know I'm on borrowed time but um that's better than three in the morning so yeah I'm a little tired but I think you've been having kind of a rough week too so I think it's just something in the air everybody I know has had a rough week and we have had um just some of my clients have had to listen to me vent about we have had just weird things Mm-hmm. that are the, it's the little things that just send you off the edge. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a rough week. Everybody's tired. The world is tired. So hopefully we're going to give y'all some suggestions today of ways to get out of that or ways to at least cope with it a little bit. Right. And we, since we're both stressed this week, we might stumble a little bit along the way because we're both sleep deprived, <laughs> stressed out, <laughs> but maybe we'll take our own advice. So what we wanted to talk specifically about, since this is a reading podcast, it's not just mental health in general we're talking about, but how it ties to our reading life and books and how they can help, um, or sometimes how they can be problematic. We'll get to in the later in the episode about trigger warnings and things. So um, first we're going to talk about the benefits of reading. So, I mean, there's an obvious one first, if we're reading, right, if we have time to do that, we're taking time for ourselves. Usually it's going to be quiet time or alone time. Um, we're not scrolling our social media or, you know, zoned out in front of the TV. Um, although I'm pro binge watch, I don't no judgment. Um, but just letting ourselves fall into a story. So the simple act of reading in and of itself is like a gift. Um, and I can tell y'all this week, I have 30 minutes of reading when I had to take my son to allergy shots. And I was like, Oh, I have to sit in a waiting room for 30 minutes. This is amazing. There's no dog biting at my feet. I don't have to do anything, but read. It was wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> so yes, yeah. taking that time is very, very important. And the bigger the stress builds up, the more likely that is the first thing to go. Mm-hmm. Because if you are worried about the dog biting at your feet or your kid getting into college or other issues in your life, it's really hard, especially because usually we are the general chaos coordinators. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to be like, no, I'm going to shut the store. I'm not going to think about anything for the next 30 minutes. And I'm going to escape into this other world. Mm -hmm. And also because for some reason, shutting that door usually like sets off some kind of alarm to the (laughs) other people in the household that they need to come bang on it. Right. So yeah, just put a sign unless you are actively on fire or bleeding. (laughs) I will be back at X time. Right. So, and this isn't just anecdotal. There are official studies and everything about how reading is beneficial. There's a um, Healthline article that we will link to, but it found that 30 minutes of reading lowered your blood pressure and your heart rate and your feelings of psychological distress, just as effectively as yoga and humor did. And in the notes, Dawn said, yes, but wait. <laughs> because it's, Well, okay. For, first of all, we have to talk about how yoga or how reading is a much safer pastime for me than <laughs> yoga. <laughs> Because I do do yoga and it is quite entertaining, but 
I don't, I'm not sure it really lowers my blood pressure and heart rate because there's times I'm like, and this is how they're going to find me on the floor. Um, but I also added in our notes that I think this solely depends on what you're reading because you and I have both read books that our heart rate accelerated and not always in a good way. I mean, sometimes you get those books that your heart rate's accelerating and that's all right, mm-hmm. but this is blood pressure is elevated, heart rate's accelerated, and you're really considering if you want to throw the Kindle across the room or if you're just (laughs) going to pick up another notebook and throw it as tribute across the room. Right. And really, this is kind of a trial and error thing for each individual person because you don't know what's going to relax you. Like we'll talk about later, like sometimes, you know, books that would get your heart rate would relax you um, because it's, you're having excitement, but in a safe way. Um, But then other books well and I'll talk about later that I didn't realize something the book was going to have something in it and so it was a negative probably heart rate situation there but in general um it's beneficial and I agree with you about the yoga I've been doing yoga and it, if you do a certain kind of yoga it's not relaxing at all it's sweating <laughs> like, <laughs> and this week I did it with a dog underneath me so it was also dangerous because he was biting <laughs> so it was like goat yoga but with teeth um <laughs> But so in addition to the physical, you know, kind of relaxation stuff, also, if you're feeling down or lonely, um, a book can kind of sweep you away to a different world and kind of let you step out of your life for a minute, step away from the stress that you're having and getting, if, if the book is well-written, um, getting lost in somebody else's story and conflict and, um, feelings instead of your own. So it can be really good as a distraction in that way. Well, and I think that getting swept away thing is a huge factor because I'm going to date myself here, but the whole Calgon take me away advertisements they they used to have of the mom hiding in the bathtub, which we all know now did not happen. There was a puppy paw coming under that door. Some toddler was screaming on the other side of it. But I think that moment of just, I get to leave all of this for just Mm -hmm. a minute And I was actually having a conversation with some other editors I know quite recently, and we were talking about how we're seeing more different things, Mm -hmm. that there's more fantasy and there's more shifters coming out and more of the darker side of romance coming out because people are looking for something different because we have all had so much of the same for so long now. They're looking for something different and they're looking for that escape. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times I'd, I'd be interested to look back at, I don't remember dates and stuff because the years kind of blend together, but I feel like after like the financial crash in like 2008 or whenever that was, that's when like a lot of darker books came out and some fantasy series and different things like paranormal and all of that, because I feel like in dark times, we want to have some dark stories, but they're usually safer in a way. Like they're, you know, if they're romance, they have a happy ending and stuff, but like we want to get, it's okay to feel the dark feelings, but we get to feel them like in a thriller or we get to feel them in a fantasy. And it's, it's processing those, you know, things in a way that's not having to deal with straight ahead. What is the reality in front of you? Um, And I think that's why with the pandemic, there's been a lot of people who pandemic books have been what they want to read. And I found that fascinating. They want to see the surprise. They want to see the the conquering of it. Yes. And I even did that. I think I talked about it. I don't know if I talked about the episode or not, but I read Wanderers by Chuck Wendig and it's a pandemic book. And I read it during the pandemic and pretty early days of it. And I did find it kind of comforting, like humanity will triumph at some point, eventually, (laughs) you know, I don't know, maybe we will in books we do. Um, But yeah, and really there's even something called bibliotherapy, like doctors and therapists can prescribe reading for people. And a lot of times it's nonfiction. Like if you are diagnosed with something, they'll give you a book about it. Um, But also it can be fiction because sometimes a character is struggling with the same thing you're struggling with and you can kind of get insight or read an essay collection of somebody who has, you know, that issue that you're working through. I know for me um, in the early days of parenting, like when it's real, real hard, when you have, you know, baby blues and all that stuff, like reading other parents, like essays and stuff was like a godsend. Like, okay, it's, it's going to get better. And other people throughout time have survived this and I can survive it too. Maybe I need dog essays. I need to go find (laughs) essays. I was just thinking when you mentioned that one of the best books I read while I was pregnant, which my kids are in college. So this was a long time ago, but it was a book called the girlfriend's guide to pregnancy. Hmm. And I don't have, um, 
you know, an older sister who has gone through this. I had some friends who had, but you had, it was very written, very straightforward of, okay, here's what you need to know. And very no nonsense, not the, what do you expect when you're expecting? This was like, girl, you're going to hurt. And this is what you do. And that kind of thing. So I think you need like the new puppy owner's guide. (laughs) Yeah. Like some of this is going to (laughs) suck. Right. They're cute, but they exhaust you and they bite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There probably is, there's a book for everything. So I bet you there is a book of like adopting dogs and, you know, going through that. But if anybody has one, let me know on social media. I'm I'm, I'm down for it. Um, In our next episode, Ronnie's Rad Wreck is going to (laughs) be, I found a puppy book. Everybody needs to read it. Just have a bearded dragon. That's fine. Read the puppy book. (laughs) I actually don't read a lot of books um, with dogs in them because one of my triggers is I don't want the dog to die. So mm-hmm. I cannot read a book with the die, dying dog. So most of those dog stories are like really great and memoiry, but then the dog dies at the end and I can't. So um, anyway, books can also help you develop empathy. It can make you feel connected with other people um, or seen because you read something that you're going through, which is kind of what we're talking about with the parenting and everything. Um, but that feeling that you get when you read like a certain line in a book and you think, yes, like that's exactly how I feel. Like somebody put it into words and somebody else has felt this. And it's a very comforting kind of resonance, I guess, where it's like, okay, it's not just me. Like I'm connected to other humans in some way. Somebody else has gone through this. And, you know, if it's in a fiction book, a lot of times somebody's going through this and it's triumph and you see that and it can, even if it's fiction, you feel it. Because if the writer's writing it, that meant they were inspired somewhere, either in their own life or somebody they know or whatever. Um, Do you get that feeling, Dawn, with books? Do you get that resonance? This was so me as a teenager. I mean, everything I needed to know, I learned from Judy Bloom and Essie Hinton. Those were my two, like, you're going to be okay. High school is not the best part of your life. Does everything you're feeling is okay. And it's not as big as you think it is. Mm -hmm. But I would go back to, I think the first book that I remember really having this feeling with, we um, talked in a previous episode about the book A Wrinkle in Time and how Mm -hmm. that book was both important to both of us. And I did have a blog post that we posted about it too, but that book was very important to me because it's the first book I could completely identify with the character who was very different than me because she's very quiet and she's very studious and this may shock and amaze y'all but I have never been accused of being being quiet in my (laughs) entire life that was never a a a skill that I had um but there were so many parallels in that in a wrinkle in time her dad is suddenly gone and in my life at that point my dad was suddenly gone Mm -hmm. and I moved two states away to where People thought I talked very interestingly because I have always had a very Southern accent. And the other thing that really kind of connected me to that character was the fact people in Meg's life and A Wrinkle in Time aren't telling her things. Hmm. She knows there's something big going on and she knows that it's going to change everything about their world. But nobody, the adults and the people who have access to that information aren't telling her because she's a kid. And that was absolutely where I was. Mm-hmm. in my life. And so I think that would be the first moment that I was like, I already loved books before that, mm-hmm. but I think that was the, okay, these have a connection and these are something that are going to help me. And so that was a, a wrinkle in times the gateway drug, I guess we should say it yeah. just brings you right in. And then, then you get introduced to Judy Bloom and Essie Hinton and all of these people who, um, who show you that you're not alone. Right. Right. And I think we all need to know that. And it's so interesting to me because A Wrinkle in Time was a huge book for me too. And it makes my heart hurt that you were going through that, but I'm glad that the book was there for you. Um, But you said that it's a studious, quiet heroine, right? And for me, I was like, that's me. Like, cause I am the quiet, studious (laughs) one. So it's interesting to me that the same book with the same character that we could take away different things from it. And they still were like important things to each of us, even if we're two different, me and you are very different. Um, in our personality. So that's um, fascinating to me. But um, for me, I also have readers since, you know, I get the pleasure of hearing back from people that, well, I get the pleasure when they like the book, (laughs) but (laughs) not so much when they don't. But um, when people like my books, they'll often reach out to me. And since I write a lot of mental health issues in my books or struggles for characters, 
um, I hear specifically about those things. So for instance, in my book, Yes, and I Love You, um, Holland is extremely socially anxious. So she has Tourette's and that makes her really, you know, scared to talk to people. And so I've had people reach out to me saying, you know, even if they don't have Tourette's, they're like, I'm extremely socially anxious and I really related to her. And I felt, you know, comforted by that. And I really like how you handled it um, because I didn't, I think I tried to write her at least where she's socially anxious, but she's as a person, like she's a confident person in herself. Like she just has this social anxiety. So she's not like the shrinking violet personality, but she's just scared of, you know, getting made fun of, or, you know, feeling awkward. Um, and then in what if you and me, the second book in that series, Andy has lots of anxiety. She had something traumatic happen to her when she was a teenager. Um, and so she's living with this anxiety, but she processes, processes it through true crime and horror stories. And she's a writer and podcaster and all of that. And I've had so many people reach out and go, I never realized that the reason why I like those things is because of my anxiety. Like people felt weird. People feel weird liking true crime. And so it like gave them like, oh, wait, this makes sense to me that I'm anxious. This is why I like it. I'm not just a weirdo who wants to read about crime. I'm preparing, I'm mentally preparing myself to protect myself. So um, I love being on the other end of that too, as a reader, I love it. And then also as a writer, I like knowing that somebody out there, you know, read it and saw themselves in the book. So that makes me happy. Well, and we've talked about that the scary books can help you process anxiety and that kind of thing. And what you just said, I think is at a very important point of people feel weird about that working for them. Mm-hmm. And I think in books, you have the opportunity to explore anything that is unusual to mm-hmm. the world. And that can be, you know, anxiety or sex or a romantic relationship that you would not normally be interested in, mm-hmm. but you can explore that in a safe way. Yes. And I think that's so important. And that's one of the things I love the most about romance. Like that is like one of the keystones of why I like the genre so much is the weirdness of like, it's so accepted. Like you like blue aliens on this strange planet and that, you know, faded mates and everything like awesome blue alien sex. Great. You know, like it's so accepting. So I love that. And I think in romance for sure, we see, cause especially private things like sexual relationships and things, when you read those books and you're like, oh, I find that sexy, other people do too. And I never thought that that would, like, yes. I thought that was weird to think that, you know. So the normalization is definitely um, a big thing. But if you aren't a romance reader and you want acceptance, you guys come over to our side because we're all about we have like- cookies. <laughs> we're all about the weird, you love a, you know, scary mafia romance like great good for you, <laughs> you know, it's okay well and then then we get into to my level of it of you love a scary rough mafia romance where he shape shifts into a bear <laughs> that is absolutely cool not a Perfect. problem right yes yes and i'm reading um the book you recommended last week captivated by tessa bailey and eve dangerfield i think is uh, the other yes. author yeah and i'm only probably a third of the way through it but i'm really liking it so thanks for the recommendation but it's a capture fantasy book. That's, you know, kind of a weird quote unquote thing, but like in romance, it's like, sure, come on in. We can talk about that and what that means in the patriarchy and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. fine. Well, and I would say too, honestly, in the real world, I would have no idea what to do with two hot men who both wanted to, you (laughs) know, be with me, but um, I will absolutely read Melt Into You. And which is a Ronnie Loren book and be like, oh yes, I can totally handle this. This would be fine. (laughs) And then I close the book and I go back to my happy marriage and it's, it's all good. Two actual husbands would be exhausting. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond bedroom things, Jen's talking about cooking and laundry. (laughs) Another person. Logistics of it. No thanks. Which Gives y'all an idea of how tired we both are at this point. <laughs> we're like, we're like, yeah, the bedroom thing would be great, but oh my goodness, do you know how much the management, the logistics would just be? Yeah, no, no. Uh-uh. Um, and then obviously we talked about self-help, self-development books in the last episode, and they actually really can help. It's not just a clever name, self-help books. So that's you know been for me a lot. I've gotten a lot of help from those over the years. So. Um, Anyway, the next section kind of we wanted to talk about was a little bit we covered in the comfort episode, but 
one of the good things about reading, and especially if you're in a certain place with your, you know, anxiety or depression or anything like that, um, the beauty of a guaranteed ending in certain genres can be really just the thing you need in those moments, especially if you're feeling anxious or something that, you know, in romance, um, you're guaranteed no matter how dark things get or how blue those aliens are, (laughs) like it's going to end okay. (laughs) It's going to end okay. Well, and I wanted to hit on this real briefly because I can't remember if I mentioned this in another, in the comfort reads episode, but at one point when my uh, daughter was a teenager, I found out that she reads the end of books first. (laughs) Yeah. I think we mentioned that at some point because I was freaked out. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just stunning, but that has to do with her level of anxiety is Mm -hmm. she wants to know that at the end of this book, it's going to be okay. Now we can do a whole episode on the feels we have about that, but I think that's where that predictability comes into. Mm-hmm. So like with romance, you know, they're going to end up together. Mm-hmm. That's the whole, the whole thing, no matter how bad things get, they're going to end up together except for when they don't. And then it's not a romance. And I will stand on that soapbox and scream at the top of my lungs. It is not a romance, Nicholas Sparks. Mm-hmm. It is not a romance if they don't end up together. Yes, 100%. That is the definition of a genre romance. For the record out there, if you're not familiar with the terms, if if a couple doesn't end up together and it was a romantic story, it's a love story, quote unquote. Usually if you see a love story on the cover, that means somebody's going to die or or something bad, really bad is going to happen. So look for that. Romances on the cover do not say a love story. We do not say that. So that means a separate thing. Um, And then of course, mysteries, there's a crime in typically in a mystery. It depends on the kind. I'm not a mystery reader because Dawn has notes here, but um, that the crime is going to be solved at the end. So is that not usually true with your notes? It is It is usually true. The reason I put it there is because it's the same thing with the romance of you can get into a book and you realize like, okay, they're not going to solve this. This is, and that's why um, it's a good idea to sometimes read the reviews or at least a couple of them or a lot of times now people will put directly into the description, this is book one of a trilogy. It ends on a cliffhanger. That way, you know, mm-hmm. because hell hath no fury. Like one of us mystery readers. Well, I guess romance readers are the same because they will cut you. But <laughs> one of the mystery readers, you get into this book, you know, you've got three pages left and there's no way you can wrap it up. And you're like, I've been dragged into a cliffhanger. Yeah. Because you're looking for that completion. But generally, yes, the mystery is going to be solved. The bad guy's not going to win. The person who is solving that mystery is going to get some kind of satisfaction, justice, vengeance, whatever. And so, yes, that's normally the case. And I would say you're you talking about that made me think of it. But there are books out there that are usually labeled literary mystery, like and they're not technically genre mystery. And I feel like I've read a couple of those and usually the crime is solved, but they're usually really, really dark and like super depressing. So that's not what I think of when I think of like a mystery read, like a fun mystery yes. read can be, people are dying, you know, <laughs> that's part of it, but it's like a lighter feel than some of these literary mysteries. I mean, they're real, like depressing so well and I think the difference in those is the ending Mm -hmm. because in your typical mystery suspense or thriller bad guy loses good triumphs all and you see this character that you've gone on this arduous journey with they're going to be okay right and you feel some kind of hope in like so if you have a mystery where this woman has been trying to solve her sister's disappearance and even if it turns out the sister is was killed and she brings the killer to justice, then it usually ends with some moment of hope after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Of okay, she's she's moving past this. Mm-hmm. What I've seen in the books you're kind of talking about is it's like, yeah, the mystery is done. We all are terrible human beings and life sucks. Yeah. And they're usually character driven too. So it's more about like the dark mood of the character. Um I read one. I'm trying to think it's I'm looking on my shelves. You guys, I can't, I think it's Paula McLean is the, the author, but the book is when the stars go dark and it was, I would think it was labeled a literary mystery, very, very character driven, very literary. It was so well-written. Like at the end, I was glad that I had read it. Um, 
but I hesitate to recommend it to like a mystery reader because it was so down. I mean, it was such as she was in a depression. It was like postpartum depression at the beginning. And like, it was, there was some triggery stuff in there. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Like that, that was not a fun, lighthearted mystery or a fast paced suspense book. It was just like dark, dark, dark. Um, so I have to be careful with books like that. Cause if I'm in a certain mood, it was, it was too dark at the time for that mood. I'd have to be like in a different place, but really well-written book, not anything against the book. It's just, it's a different thing to have a literary mystery than a regular mystery. Um, and then on the flip side of that, the whole opposite end of the mystery spectrum is the cozy mystery. So if you don't want any like scariness on the page, no gore, um, you, you edit some cozy mysteries sometimes, huh, Don? I do. I do edit some cozy mysteries and I, I like them because you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know that there's going to be a mystery. It's going to be a puzzle. And so if you're a puzzle solver like me, you get, you get your puzzle. You are not going to be attached to the person who, who dies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've edited in, enough of these and read enough of these that I can pretty much tell you who's going to die because mm-hmm. it's the person that everybody hates or somebody says something snarky to you or there's somebody who's rude. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not going to be strong violence. Although some cozies kind of have started to kind of push that edge on the violence and still not violent violent but but earlier cozies like there was no violence on the page now there's usually a little bit of something um and there's going to be something like bakeries or a cute small town or cats and you know sometimes that that's what you need that's what your brain needs right would Agatha Christie be considered a cozy like before cozies existed do you think I don't think so because um some of Agatha Christie stuff is actually pretty dark when you actually read it um it's not it's not violent it's in the same way that that we see violence today because it just wasn't accepted then yeah and I feel like I haven't read a ton of Agatha Christie I remember loving and then there were none but I feel like we didn't usually like the person who was killed. Like it had oh, that no, vibe. No. They're they're a bad person and they deserve yeah. it. Okay. Um, so I, no, maybe it was like the roots that where cozy mysteries might have gotten a nod from, you know. Yes. And then um I put fantasy on here, but specifically why fantasy? Because I know lots of adult fantasies don't end happily and <laughs> predictably. Um, but why I've mostly found this isn't hundred percent, so there's no guarantee. Um, but that if you have like a YA fantasy trilogy usually you're going to have a positive, satisfying ending at the end of it. So you might have cliffhangers along the way. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking of like the Hunger Games and all of those big books, like at the end, you usually have some sort of satisfaction and it's going to be okay because they are writing for teens. Um, right. Even though lots of adults read YA. But so there is a level of, you know, trying to give some sort of wrap up and comfort and, you know, that everything's going to be okay. Um, and then my last one that I put on here, just kind of random but because it's not a genre I read a ton of but books based on history so um it's a guaranteed ending because it already happened you guys so we know who won the war or whatever it is um that we are reading so if you know what's going to happen although Dawn said that this doesn't help her <laughs> she watched a historical no. movie and she knew what would happen it didn't matter <laughs> right I remember being super stressed out watching Apollo 13 mm-hmm. and I already knew the story I knew that they get home, that it's safe. Mm-hmm. That's not a spoiler warning. That's like in every history book. But the whole time I was like, um, yeah, really? Hopefully they didn't change the ending on this. Like they wouldn't actually like just kill off all these people, right? And mm-hmm. so I don't necessarily find the retellings of history comforting because the events still stress me out evidently. <laughs> but if that works for you, that's fabulous. Well, that's the sign of a good storyteller who did a great movie to build the suspense, even though yes. you know the ending. Um and for me, like I've been watching some old movies for the romantic movie marathon I'm doing in my newsletter. And I think seeing that has helped me because of history of like, they went through pandemics and depressions and all these things in you know, history. And like people came out on the other side and usually had a boom after, you know, like after wars and after things, like they had that good stuff happen. So I do find it comforting. I, although I don't read a lot of um historical things besides i do read historical romance but those are not based on real events <laughs> so they're just really fun so and even though we're talking about things that wrap up with 
you know, comforting endings or predictable endings. Um, it doesn't mean that the book has to be happy, cheerful cats in you know, bookstores. So um, there's other ways that you can get that feeling in different genres, Dawn. Well, and I think it's important that we talk about, you know, if, if you are depressed and somebody's like, oh, you need to read this rom-com and you're like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not there. And I, I, so I think that's okay. We mentioned that horror can help with anxiety or the darker and grittier books. Sometimes if you are just, you're just in that place or somebody around you has annoyed you to the point you don't want to function anymore Mm -hmm. and you're going to go hide off and read this book. Sometimes it can be really satisfying to read about something really bad happening to a person. And, um, I won't mention any names, but I do know (laughs) authors who write people into their books that hold the author will write you into the book and kill you. That, (laughs) that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes we feel helpless in our situation. And so if you are stuck in a situation where you would love to lash out, but you can't, then sometimes reading those darker books and reading about somebody else causing pain, which sounds like it should be terrible, but it's not, that is a safe outlet for those emotions. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, I enjoy the, the darker romance and the mafia romances and the anti-heroes. Um, and it's probably part of my obsession with superheroes and the Fast and the Furious franchise right. of, I can't go do any of that stuff, but mm-hmm. I can sure picture the face of the person who has annoyed me. And on the, on the character that's, you know, getting beat with a crowbar at this point, I can do that. And that makes me feel better about my life. Right. And I, I do read dark books a lot of times when I am in a sad place or something like, especially dark romance or whatever, because I do get that guaranteed happy ending, but I know it's going to get like dark and gritty and all of that. So I do find comfort in dark books as well, for sure. And I am the person who I don't want to read a rom-com when I'm down because I don't want to like too happy or too funny. Like it's, I can't get there. So there's right. like, I, it's too far of a stretch, but I can get there thinking dark things. <laughs> but, um, and then speaking of kind of what's in the book and what you need when you're feeling down or when you're you know going through something, um, we wanted to talk about trigger warnings, which it's, you know, kind of a newer thing that's happening in books over the last couple of years that wasn't around. Um, and some people have, well, lots of people have feelings about them. So we were going to talk um, first, what is a trigger warning? Well, and I'm going to talk a little bit later too about how my authors handle this, but trigger warnings, which you sometimes see marked as TW for trigger warning, or I've also seen it marked as CW for content warning. It is just a label basically that lets the reader know what they're getting into. And so there's no, here's where it becomes a little odd in our world right now. There's no standardization for it really. Mm-hmm. And so it's usually something that could trigger somebody to have a trauma response, something that's going to induce anxiety or something that would be cause discomfort to somebody struggling with some kind of mental health issue. Right. And a lot of people, the people that have feelings about trigger warnings, um, against them it's they feel like it's telling spoilers of the book so if you mention that they're you know the dog dies in the book then you know that that's going to happen in the book you've gotten a spoiler um but you know i come from a therapy background so trigger for me initially was always related to ptsd so somebody with severe trauma they've you know experienced rape or abuse or they're a war veteran um and it's something that would you know give them flashbacks and trigger um, anxiety attacks and all that. So in my head, um, if you would have asked me this five years ago, I would have said those extreme things, you know, you need to warn people about. Um, but now we have trigger warnings for lots of little kind of detailed things. And for some that seems overboard, like everybody has a trigger, everybody's got trauma, like, you know, it's, and I, I admit, honestly, like I was born at the end of 1979. So I'm right at the end of Gen X. And so I have millennial tendencies and Gen X tendencies, but the Gen X in me is like, still got that. We walk 10 miles in the snow in our Doc Martens you know, right. kind of thing. Um, so why do we need all these, you know, every single thing? How do you, what do you have to warn people about? Um, but I will not go into it yet. Cause I'm going to give Dawn a chance to talk, but I have changed my tune um, on it. So I don't feel that way anymore, but I'm just telling you in all honesty, 
my Gen Xness came out when this first started happening of like, I don't want the spoilers. So Dawn, you said you work with clients that have these in their books. So how does that work for you? I do work with clients that have them in, in the books and I'm a little bit older than you. And so we'll just say I was squarely in the generation <laughs> of you just get over it, but I'm a strong supporter of them. I recommend them to, to my clients. If I see something that comes up in the book, um, one thing I have also appreciated is I've had clients talking to me whenever we're talking about editing a book, I appreciate when they're like, okay, Hey, this is going to come up. Are you okay with that? Because I need to be able to sufficiently do my job. But one of the reasons I very much re- I recommend them to my clients is you don't want to shock the reader. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a difference between like stunning and surprising mm-hmm. and shocking them to the point that it does induce some kind of reaction you're not looking for. So you don't want them to associate your story with that terrible sense of dread or the sinking feeling you get right before you go into an anxiety spiral. And so people who are dealing with those kind of issues normally, hopefully, are taking steps to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you, I have a client who, if there's, you know, child abuse in the book, Okay, are you going to put a trigger warning on this for child abuse? And so that way, if a reader picks it up, that's fine. That doesn't bother them. They're just going to skim past that and go on to where if a reader knows that I'm trying to work through some stuff. And if I read about this right now, I'm not going to be in a good place, which is not the reaction you want for your book. Mm-hmm. Then that gives them the opportunity to make the decision. Do I want to read this or do I want to set it aside for now? Right. And when you were talking, it made me think, I think there's a Taylor Jenkins read book that I've recommended on the podcast before one true loves. I think it's in this book. Um, don't quote me on that, but there's, she loses a spouse and she, her mom or somebody or a friend before she reads any book, reads all the books to make sure that the spouse doesn't die in the book. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's in that book. So I'll, I always remember that that was, you know, kind of a, a tender thing to do. Um, but for me, um, my own personal experience. And then as a writer, cause I'm on both sides of it. So do I want people to know the things that happened in my book, if it's supposed to be a quote unquote twist or a surprise. Um, but being the reader, I know that I've had experiences where I am surprised or shocked in a not good way. And so I don't want to give that to somebody who doesn't need to, um, cause I have written books that have, you know, rape backstories of, you know, trauma victims. And I, I write a lot of trauma backstories. I just, that's kind of my, um, style of writing. So I, I do, my older books don't have trigger warnings on them because it wasn't a thing. Um, so my published, traditionally published books, I think my newest ones, the publisher did put some stuff in those. Um, I have to double check. I should have checked for this episode, but didn't do my homework on that. Um, but I have things that aren't like the big things like I listed at the beginning for PTSD, but for me, um, medical anxiety is a thing for me. So if I see a book um, has a cancer storyline or any kind of, you know, disease or anything like that. Um, I usually have to skip it because I had a grandmother um, that I was very close to and my mom's sister, who I was very close to, they both died young. Um, My grandmother of cancer and my aunt suddenly have a heart attack in her thirties. So I always have like that paranoia that something is wrong in my gene line and like anything could happen. And so if I read a cancer storyline or I read some strange disorder or disease, like I'm going to diagnose myself with that. Like I get the hypochondria thing, like legitimately will anxiety spiral over it and be feeling symptoms. And all. I have, like, I cannot, even when I get, when you go get your mammograms, you know, they send you those little reminders, even seeing it in my inbox, the, the breast cancer center or whatever, I have to delete the email or put it somewhere because every time I see the words, it scares me. Like, so it's a real thing um, for me. And so I have to really be um, cognizant of the books I pick up and I don't want to be surprised. And a lot of times they do surprise you with an illness storyline, which is why I don't read a lot of women's fiction um, or I have to like check spoilers for it because cancer shows up in women's fiction a lot. Um, but, and I'm going to talk about one that surprised me, not about a cancer thing, but that was not a great um, experience for me with, uh, you know, being surprised, but Dawn, you had, you wanted to talk a little bit about um, reading through grief. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about reading through grief and grief can mean several different things. Grief does not always mean that you have lost someone that somebody has died. You can be grieving a relationship. You can be grieving a situation. Grief can mean a lot of different things. And 
I think reading through grief can go a couple of ways. One is sometimes it can be very comforting to see someone going through what you're going through and seeing them make it out. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that a little bit. Um, one book that comes to mind when I'm thinking about that is um, Make Me Whole by Marie Johnston, which is a romance book. And it's a romance of this woman lost her husband. I think, I think when the book opens, the husband's been gone one year or two years. And, um, but you see like the deep depression she went into and she's trying to come out of it. And there's still things lingering from that. And so if you were in that situation, that could be comforting to you mm-hmm. to see that eventually, because it is a romance, super hot guy on the cover, <laughs> you know, things are going to go well for her at, mm-hmm. a, at some point. Um, but there's the other side of that of sometimes you want to stay completely away from that. Mm-hmm. And so if you are grieving like the loss of your house or something like that, you don't want to read a mystery where it starts off with the house burning down because it takes you out of it. And that's where sometimes that's where like normally people aren't going to put a trigger warning on there right. for something like that. And that's why we go back to our, it's always okay to put the book down and walk away. You are mm-hmm. not required to finish the book. So you kind of have to be tuned into how are you feeling about it? Yeah. And um, my daughter who is now in college, she was in middle school um, when my mom was dying. And my mom was living with us and we were taking care of her. And there's a thing that you would have been aware of as a therapist. I wasn't aware of that. um, They referred to as anticipatory grief Mm -hmm. because we knew it was coming. Right. And I got this absolutely hysterical crying phone call from her to where the teacher had have her leave class and had another student walk her to the counselor's office because she was reading the fault in our stars. And I won't spoil that for y'all, but just know if you're in any kind of grief or dealing with any kind of medical thing, you don't need to read the fault in our stars. Yeah. Read the trigger warnings on it. (laughs) Yes. And so I think sometimes, I think it's important to look at how people grieve differently and however you deal with it is okay. And it's okay to take care of yourself by putting that book down. I think that's an important thing to say. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened to me last week. So I was reading The Push by Ashley Audrain and um, it's been recommended everywhere. It was on like top of 21 of a lot of people's lists, like great thriller, blah, blah, blah. I had gotten it from um, Book of the Month Club. So it was on my shelf already. And I made it halfway into the book and the writing was really good. So this is not a knock on the writing at all. Um, but I was already having a little trouble with it. Cause there's like some postpartum depression stuff in there. And, um, I had some of that when I had my son. So it's, that was a little difficult to read, but I was still reading it. Um, but then I made it into like halfway in the book and an incident happened that was just too much for me. And I had to like, stop reading immediately. Um, I'm going to give a spoiler alert right now. So if you do not want to know something that happened in this book, please hit that little 30 second button on your podcast. So you can do that now. I feel like we should be singing the Jeopardy tune right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So in um, the book, a one-year-old child that you get attached to is killed, murdered in an extra disturbing way. I'm not going to give all the details of it, but I can't, I, and I wouldn't have known if Don had asked me like, what are your triggers? I wouldn't have said child death because I mean, I've read books with where kids, you know, just in the background or something like they've lost a child or something. I've never seen one that it actually happened like on the page to a child that I knew quote unquote, you know, in the book. And, um, I, I could not. So no matter how well written the book was, I was like, this is not the book for me. I don't care if I made it halfway through. I don't, need to know how it turns out. I I'm, I'm done with it. Um, so I would have preferred to have a trigger warning on that. And that's, you know, on me, I didn't go look at the reviews because I tend not to look at reviews. That's the problem for me is that reviews often spoil books for me, even when they're not trying to like they'll spoil something. And so I generally don't look at reviews. I go by personal recommendations or, you know, a professional review. Sometimes I'll look at like bloggers that do full professional reviews. They know how not to do the spoiler thing. But a lot of times there's no trigger warnings there. 
So I didn't like pre-research or anything. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how you like, like you were saying, you don't know the house burning down thing. Like my parents lost their house in hurricane Ida recently with the hurricane. So if you would ask them if, you know, is that's a trigger, like that wouldn't be listed as a trigger, losing your house, all your stuff to a hurricane. So you would just end up reading a book. And if it happens, you're kind of stuck. Um, so I think there should be some sort of database that you can just search. Does this book have, and then have all kinds of check boxes of issues, like whatever it is, like little, you know, checks. And then it would say like, yes, it has these things. And then you can move on because you wouldn't have to see the summary of the book. You wouldn't have to see the spoilers. You would just say, okay, I'm not down for illness. I'm not down for, you know, dogs dying. Um, and then it would tell you like, okay, you're safe with this book. So somebody who's a techie out there, create this app for me, <laughs> just for me. Well, other I, people can use it. <laughs> yeah. There is a database called does the dog die? <laughs> really? <laughs> that gives spoilers about some books and movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and so it is a quandary. And the way some of my clients have handled it is, especially with ebook, ebook opens up a whole new world for this because the way some of my clients handle it in their ebooks is there will be a link at mm-hmm. the beginning. Now, a couple of my clients, like, especially my ones who write dark romance, they're like out in the open right here. Here is everything that's going to happen. You need to know about it. Um, one client in particular, because one of her books did deal with sexual abuse, it was, here's everything, here's what you need to know about it, and here's how you can get help if you need it. Um, and she felt very strongly about including that. But what I've seen with some of the other ones is it's, you know, welcome to my book, go on this great journey with me. By the way, if you click here, it will take you to everything that's going to happen. The other thing I saw recently in a book that I was reading is it kind of went with the choose your own adventure part Mm -hmm. of it said, okay, something bad happens in chapter 38. You can completely skip chapter 38, click this, and again, on an ebook Mm -hmm. on your um, table of contents, Click this, which will take you to a summary with, but doesn't show it Mm -hmm. and move on to chapter 39. That's so clever. I haven't seen that in a book. I think that's really clever. Yeah. I think that's a good way to, you're being respectful to the people who don't want the warnings. Mm -hmm. You're giving a chance for the people who were like, okay, I want to check this out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I loved that idea and Goodreads and Amazon currently they're actually a good resource for this mm-hmm. because many times, like I was saying with some of them where it's a very clear, you need to know about this. Uh, they'll put it right in the description mm-hmm. in, in the Amazon blurb, but you can, especially on Goodreads, they they can hide spoilers in the reviews. Right. And so it will say like spoiler warning, and then it will say, you know, click here to see spoiler And sometimes you will see like, click here to see the trigger warnings, that kind of thing. And I think that's, I love that because I think that's being inclusive of everybody. Yeah. I'm glad you're telling me these ideas because going forward in my books, like, I feel like I could do some of these things with the link. I like the link idea because the link idea is it saves you from spoilers. If you, you know, don't want that, but you also have access to look and check Um, because I do, I do see them on Goodreads and everything, but the problem with Goodreads is I often get, you know, spoiled. Um, so no, I'm going to take, take these things and make notes for myself because I think a lot of these are, are good ideas. And Dawn, I'm sorry. I didn't warn you about Ghostbusters. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was revenge for the parasite thing in my big blue (laughs) aliens book. I know exactly what that was. (laughs) No, we, um, so over Christmas break, my family's a big movie, movie family. We watch all sorts of movies. And so this is where sometimes spoilers are a good thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's okay. Like you were talking about in the um, book where the friend reads the books to make sure that the spouse doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, as I am a proud superhero fan and Marvel is my thing. Um we do not speak of infinity war and Ronnie doesn't really know what I'm talking about here, but my Marvel people, you know, where I'm at, you know, that's not what I go to superhero movies for. And I walked out of that movie so mad and had some things going on in my life. So when Endgame came out, one of our very best friends was like, Hey, I think there's some things you need to know 
going into this and gave me the option. Do you mm-hmm. want to know? Yeah. And so over the break, um, which is, you know, been a, a while now and I'm recovering. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, so I saw James Bond and walked out bawling Mm-hmm. And then I saw um, Ghostbusters and just ugly cried. Like it, it was, you know, you know, when it gets to the point, your kids looking at their dad and being like, is she okay? You know, <laughs> that you've, but then we were going to see Spider-Man and, and don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything, but that same friend that helped me out with Endgame, I was like, okay, you need to spoil this because evidently I'm emotionally fragile And I need to know, like, do I need the whole box of Kleenex? Can I just tuck some in my jacket pocket? What are we doing here? And um, so she did tell me everything I needed to know about it. And going into it, that didn't ruin anything for me. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't in the place in that moment. and, And it was the same thing with Endgame. I wasn't in the place in that moment to experience that tension of what's going to happen. Yeah. I, and that can, that, that comes up in books too, of, I wasn't, like I said, evidently I was emotionally fragile. I don't know, but I wasn't where I could be like, okay, let's, let's feel this tension and let's go through all these emotions. I needed a distance from that. And I, I needed to step back from that. Mm-hmm. And so I knew going in, she didn't tell me when things were going to happen, right. but I knew going in that something, things are going to happen you need to be prepared. And so that helped me out a lot. So sometimes I know it's shocking, but sometimes spoilers are okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually not against that either. Like I, I have done that for some, I, I look ahead or I'll go and get the, the movie spoiled. And um, <laughs> my husband would kill me if he knew, uh, but we were watching a LSU game on tape and like we had to DVR it for some reason, event or whatever. So we were like, 20 minutes behind the live broadcast. So I knew at a certain point that the game was over in real life, but it was a very tense like game and it was stressing me out. I went to LSU guys. I'm into LSU football. It is, I know it's just football, but yeah, I was tense. So I'm like in the dark and, you know, in, in our TV room, like Googling the score. And then when I saw that we won, I was like, okay, okay, I'm okay. And uh, so yeah, I didn't tell him because he would be like horrified that I went and looked ahead, but like I needed to know because I was feeling way too tense. And I'm like, I don't need this right now for a football game. Like I'm already stressed. So I don't need the extra stress. I just want to know. So yeah, I, I spoiled it. So our philosophy on this podcast is that reading is for enjoyment. It is supposed to be fun and it is supposed to be something that is enjoyment or comfort for you. And so if you're at that, I'm too tense to experience these emotions, skip to the end, check it mm-hmm. out, make sure it's all going to be okay. Yeah. I have taken a peek at the end when I get too tense in books to make sure like, is this person still alive? Okay, we're good. And I'll go back and read where I'm reading. <laughs> um, so, but in the spirit of, you know, finding reading that, that helps our mental health rather than, you know, harms it. Um, I thought we're going to give you extra recs this week instead of just our rad recs. So I wanted to find books that, will just put you in a good mood for you. Like for me and for Dawn, your good mood might look different than ours. But for me, if I'm, you know, kind of in a blah place or I just want something like comforting that I know isn't going to stress me out, like what kind of book would I go to? And so we have recs for that. So Dawn, what is your rec for your put you in a good mood? Well, I have two. Um, and they're by the same author. And I wanted to recommend both of them because they show the two sides of what's going to work for you at this point. Um, because uh, one of the, the sides of the good mood is I do want the rom-com. I do want to laugh. I do uh, want to see the whole romance and all that. And so my first recommendation is Marrying My Billionaire Boss by Nadia Lee. And it is a, it's a standalone, it's a romantic comedy. It's billionaires of course and it's a billionaire boss has this assistant that he is madly in love with but you know can't get her to realize it and he ends up having she has to buy him at a wedding auction or at a uh, not a wedding auction at a bachelor auction wedding auction that would be a whole different thing (laughs) he has to she has to buy him at a bachelor op auction to save him from another 
um, from an ex-girlfriend who has nefarious purposes and that kind of thing. And it's a fun, sweet, secret baby, all of those tropes that you just read it. There's no cliffhanger. There's angst, but it's not going to rip your heart completely out. And just lots of, lots of heat. It's a very, (laughs) very sexy book. So that's the kind of, I just have the blahs. I just, I just want to read something fun Mm -hmm. and sweet. This, as much as I love this book and as much as I would absolutely recommend this book, this would not work for you. Right. When you're in that place, because the over-the-top romance in mm-hmm. it, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't find that entertaining. Now, because there's the other side of this, that it's not always the over-the-top romance that's going to make you feel better. It's not the slapstick comedy that kind of thing. Um, Nadia Lee has another type of book, mm-hmm. and this one is called Beauty and the Assassin, which is kind of a cute little name, and you think <laughs> it's going to be cute it is not a rom-com just know that <laughs> we're laying that out trigger warning um, trigger <laughs> warning rom-com. yes big ones um if you are familiar with her series this is Tolyon's story and Tolyon is the bodyguard of one of the other characters in another series and you know he does some shady stuff mm-hmm. like it's not even questionable he makes no apologies about it um you know he does bad things and um in the other series he protects this woman but you know there's nothing romantic between them and this is he is getting revenge Hmm. and he ends up falling in love with this woman who was supposed to be part of his revenge plan and there's this great like okay is he using her is he not using her and he does some really bad things to to bad people. They deserve mm-hmm. it. Right. But if if you're in that place of I would really like to burn this whole place down, but I have to come back here tomorrow because I need a paycheck because that provides electricity. This would be a book to go to because it's like, yes, I would like to see that happen to this person. <laughs> Dawn is vengeful, y'all. She's vengeful. <laughs> it is a safe place to explore some things, but I would, yeah, it's 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 dark. Yeah. So those are my two sides of the spectrum recommendation for you on that. Right. And for me, the one I picked, um, it's more of a general author recommendation, but I'm going to give you a, a specific book too. It's um, Smooth Talking Cowboy by Macy Yates, which is number one in her Gold Valley series. So this is contemporary romance with cowboys um she writes cowboys in oregon generally and they you know all kind of have a similar feel in the sense of like it's usually a small town you usually get to know everybody there and like they become the future heroes and heroines so you can get you know kind of deep into the series she usually writes pretty long series so there's lots of books to go to um but she's the author that if i want something that's just like an easy read and i don't mean that in a like insulting way it's just like I know that I'm safe reading it it's gonna be chill and sweet and sexy because she writes really good love scenes um there are going to be cowboys who take care of the heroines and heroines who are feisty usually the heroine's going to be a virgin in a Macy Yates book that's just one of her things <laughs> so I'm okay with that um but this first one is Luke and Olivia's book and it's a fake dating trope, which I love fake dating tropes, and it's to make an ex jealous. So the hero, you know, is he, the hero's interested in land that her father has. And so he wants her to put in a good word for him so he can buy the land. And she's like, okay, sure. But can you be my fake boyfriend? Because I really want to piss off my ex. Um, so he agrees. And because, you know, romance reasons, antics ensue, as I always say, and <laughs> fake relationships always, you know, turn into real ones. So it's, it's predictable in a good, in that good way that tropes are, we're going to talk about tropes in a future episode, but um, it's one of the beauties of tropes is that, you know, you're looking for those things like, oh, they're going to do the fake relationship. Yay. We know what's going to happen. They're not going to want to fall in love and it's going to happen. Um, so any book you pick up by Macy, any, I mean, I've read a lot of hers, but you're going to find a solid romance story. You're going to get a good satisfying ending. You're going to get some steam and I mean, who doesn't love a sexy cowboy, right? Like we're in Texas. Absolutely. so you know. Although I say that my husband's like, so not a cowboy. <laughs> oh, but see, mine is. And yeah. so that, that just makes my heart go pitter patter right there. Um, and I, I completely second this recommendation because uh, 
it is very much a, like you said, it's a safe place. There's usually a good amount of humor in her books, mm-hmm. but it still has that warm kind of cozy feeling that it's like watching two people that you've been wanting to get together, they get together and you're like, oh, look, they're looking at each other. Oh yeah. So yeah. I, I second that. And it's people you'd want to hang out with. Like you could see being yes. friends with the group. Like I, you know, it's just a comfort read for sure. Um, and then that leads us to, since you get bonus recs, um, now we get to our rad reading rec of the week. And I said it without stumbling. Woo. So mine this week, I decided to be themed. Dawn's is not going to be themed, but um, mine is nonfiction. So it's maybe you should talk to someone, a therapist, her therapist, and our lives revealed by Lori Gottlieb. Um, so this is a memoir written by a therapist, which is like my personal crack. Like I love <laughs> memoirs about therapy. My nerdy therapist heart loves that. But um, so it follows the therapist and a few of her patients, the names are concealed and the people had to give permission. And some of them are probably an amalgamation, like a, you know, blending of different stories put together. But um, it's also Lori, the author's story of her going to a therapist. Like she has a crisis in her own life. And so therapists also need therapists. Right. And she gets this therapist named Wendell. Who's like your stereotypical, like sweater wearing, like super, you know, nerdy kind of therapist that you picture when you picture the story. And like, he's great in the book. Um, so I loved, um, the stories in this book. I loved how it normalized therapy because I think everybody needs therapy sometimes, um, or all the time, (laughs) but, um, the stories are really interesting, engaging, and it just had like this warmth to it. Um, but you also learn things because you're seeing behind the scenes of therapy. So you're learning about, you know, different things people are go through and treatments for it and all of that, but it not in a dry way, in a very storytelling way. So it's truly like a memoir. It's not a self-help book or anything like that. So it's, it's her story and their stories. Um, and I really would like her to write more on it. Cause it was one of, I've, I've sought out other books like it and I have yet to find one that matches the feeling that this one gave me. So um, that's maybe you should talk to someone by Lori Gottlieb. Dawn, what do you have for us? Well, next episode, we're talking about series starters, like books that will suck you into a series. And we're going to talk a little bit about duets and trilogies and all of that kind of stuff. And so I kind of jumped ahead with my recommendation because my recommendation for this week is a series starter. It's a brand new series by Maya Hughes. And the first book is Kiss and Tell. And they books are set around a college campus and the, um, her previous series was Fulton U, which you can take a minute and think about how you would abbreviate that. (laughs) And this series is their rival and it is St. Francis university. So you can take a minute and think about how you would abbreviate that. (laughs) So it is college football. I love this one because it is a secret relationship and I like secret relationships. So this is the daughter of the university um, meets one of the football players and they can't be together because the daughter or the university president, the daughter of the university president, I think I said just daughter of the university, daughter of the university president they can't be together because the president and the football coach hate each other Hmm. and the football coach is psycho and will throw this guy off the team. And so it's a lot of fun because it's setting up this whole world. It's setting up the college um, traditions that if you want to go back to that kind of world and feel it, and it's a great group of found family. And so you have all of the, the football guys and how they're interacting and the daughter is new on campus. And so there's two girls who kind of take her in and it's just a great way to start a series. And it leads into what we're all going to talk about next week or at the next episode. Awesome. Yeah. I love a book set at college. That's one of my, my zones that I love. Um, so that is our episode for the week. Um, we really appreciate those of you who are still listening to us, 15 episodes in, hi, welcome <laughs> to anybody who's new as well. But um, we will be back in two weeks because remember we're doing every other week now. Um, and like Dawn said, we're going to cover those series starters. So we should have lots of good books to, to get you started for the reading season that's coming up. So you'll have all kinds of things you can jump into and dive into deeply. Um, and until then, if you want to talk to us we are on facebook and instagram at rad reading podcast 
Dawn, is that the right one? <laughs> yes. We, we have an Instagram that is at rad reading podcast and there are pictures of Leonard on there. Mm-hmm. So you should totally come and offer Ronnie some puppy mom support. <laughs> and he is, he is like the cutest thing ever. And, um, those of you who know Penny, who is our, our other unofficial canine assistant, he's about the size of her nose, Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> so yes, you should totally follow us on Instagram. We also have our Facebook page, which is also at rad reading. And then we are each on social media as I am at Don Alexander books and you are, I'm at Ronnie Loren and, um, Speaking of Penny and Leonard, so Leonard is named after Leonard from Big Bang Theory. And those of you who watch it, Leonard's girlfriend is named Penny. So I think Leonard and Penny are going to have their own romance novel, although poor Leonard is <laughs> way too small to take on Penny. <laughs> She'd be He's like, gonna be like, dumb child. <laughs> you, you are the size of my tennis ball. I don't. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, um, we hope that every book you pick up is rad reading. Bye. Bye. Our philosophy on this podcast is that book is a book, book is, book is, yes. I work with the English language. (laughs) Grammar. Woo. (laughs) So welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Dawn. I'm Ronnie. And today on Rad Reading, I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're talking about mental health and neither one of us have any right now. All you have to say is, I'm Ronnie. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. I can do that. (laughs) Okay. On it. Okay.